Welcome everyone to another episode of the Examine Life podcast, where we take some of life's thorniest questions and deconstruct them in a pragmatic and philosophical way. I am so excited for our guest today, Sarah Chapel, and we're going to be tackling the question, how do you walk away from good money? How's it Thank going, Sarah? So-, <laughs> um, so I'm like jumping right in. I was like, yes, let's get to this question. Let's do um, it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I, I've been going down. We're reminiscing. Shout out KDVD, Catherine DeVos Devine, for putting us together over an episode of your podcast that I just, I thought you were reading my mind. It was called um, <laughs> Burn It Down. Put that in the show notes. Even before we get into, you know, you're a writer, you're a coach, uh, you're a thinker. But before we get into your strategist, but before we get into that, I feel like I have the the perfect backdrop to get us going. Okay. And so you describe this situation where you're pushing a button on your computer and it's cancel, 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 and with every cancel you are basically throwing out the window one of the golden gooses of entrepreneurship, which is recurring passive. We could talk about what that really means, but recurring income. Tell us about that that moment. What were you canceling? Why were you canceling it? (laughs) Who's getting canceled? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That is such a visceral experience. Um, If you have ever... Um, ever, if you've had a business, a side gig, uh, had to refund somebody, um, ever had to cancel something, ever even like had a job that you've had to quit, right? Or chose to leave. Um, those experiences of saying no thank you or just no to money are so challenging. Um, I've been working online for about seven years and I ran for almost four years a membership site for small uh, business owners who were starting and growing um, businesses online or mostly online. And I, I started to hate it. (laughs) Like absolutely started to hate it, started to resent it. It paid my bills. It paid other people's bills. It was by, I think any definition of a small company successful. Uh, and after trying a lot of different things, I finally decided to, to say, like, throw in the towel. I was like, I'm done. I'm unplugging this. And that did mean that I have to go through and literally press cancel on hundreds of recurring subscriptions of people who kept paying me month after month to access content and a little bit of coaching with me. And like, wow. you're just literally like, no, I'm going to say goodbye to that money and that money and that money <laughs> and that money. It was, it was so... Yeah, it was visceral. It was emotional. Yeah. I was like, this is a bad idea. Click, <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm getting, I have goosebumps just thinking. I get that. that you're, uh, You mentioned Almost Famous in one of your podcast episodes. <laughs> I, I, I'm seeing Dave Chappelle's Half Baked, which is probably a little bit before that. And it's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I know you weren't saying fuck you to your clients. but then this, It this, feels like... a little bit like that, though, right? You're like, thanks, but no thanks. Like, don't want yeah. your money. Don't want to work with you. It, it's it's not a fuck you in a rude way, but it feels a yeah. little bit funny when people are like raising their hands. They're like, no, I want this thing you have. And you're like, actually, you can't have it anymore. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're giving me goosebumps because I've had two parallels and we can talk about all of them. But the first parallel I had was working on Wall Street. And so I had a seven figure gig and it was just it was it like that was the thing that ev- that was the thing my parents had wanted for me since I was a little kid. And at 35 years old, it's like, so like you said, it's a thing that everyone wanted and I got early and I left it. And it just, ooh, the, the, the feels that, the, that that gives and, and the projection that comes with it, ooh, it's, it's heavy. What was that conversation like when you were like, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm dipping out. See you later. <laughs> Thanks but for the money. <laughs> you as you were, but UK, in that moment, I was feeling confused. I had just gone through an identity earthquake. I was scared financially. It's not like I had this amazing thing lined up and we should talk about what you may or may not have lined up on the other side. And and so all of these, I would say that I was a, a very leaky bucket 
right? And so just a lot of insecurities coming out of, you know, every part of my body. I was a very leaky human in that, in that moment. Every time someone would say something, and it could be something as in, innocuous as my wife, Lisa, saying, hey, we're going to a school thing tonight. People are going to ask what you do. How do I answer that question? To the worst thing ever, which was a text that I would get over and over and over and over from people that would say, what are, it would be like, what are, and A-R-E is in capital, and then lowercase u, Y-O-U, and then doing is in all caps, and then it's like question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, and I'd be like, fuck you, leave me alone, I don't know why you, you know, and so anyway, that, that was how I felt at that moment. I want to hear how you felt, but tell us first, you had this kind of sweet recurring, sweet nectar of recurring revenue, and you pull, you rip them, <laughs> you rip it all off. Did you have something on the other side of it? No. <laughs> no. This is actually the second time that this has happened to me. The first time was in um, the last time I had a real job. <laughs> mm. Not that running your own business isn't a real job, but it's also not in some ways. They say as we sit here and record a podcast at two o'clock in the afternoon or earlier for you. Um, when I left the most corporate job I ever had, I was in my late 20s. And it was the same thing where I left and I had I had no plans. I had no idea what was next. I had had a personal crisis. I actually had gotten sober and I was working in the wine industry as the editorial director for this big importer in New York. It's, it was my dream job. It was like everything I could possibly, it was creative, it was fun, everyone was smart and weird and like it was a real job, but everyone was weird. So it was great, right? Like I was like, this is great. I make actual money and everyone's having fun all the time. And when I left, it was the same thing. I got, that was when I really got like those text messages and the questions and everyone being like, so what are we supposed to say you do? Are you okay? Why did you leave your job? Like, um, people had so many weird assumptions and it was so stressful. So the sec, this is really the second time that I have done this full pulling the plug thing. I do think it gets a little bit easier about 10 years later, but no, to answer your question, I had actually literally nothing lined up when I made this decision and started, started, um, started the, 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 the off ramp as it were. Yeah. Wow. It reminds me, wasn't there some Ted talk? I think the name is, I'm going to butcher it, but Sebastian's it's a, and it's an alliteration, you know, she sells, she sells seashells, Sebastian Sagemeyer or something. And he says, you should take a, it keeps going with the S's. You should take a sabbatical every seven years. <laughs> I like that. Sebastian Sagemeister says you should take so a sabbatical every seven years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you don't have anything lined up. And again, to, to zoom out for, for people who are less familiar with the, the online world, you, the, the goal, the goal of this recurring revenue is that it, you don't have to, once you have a client, there's something called a lifetime value where you just assume that they might stay on for two years, seven years. You get this monthly, you know, dividend check, you know, something, there's this like really nice thing about this type of thing is that sometimes people forget that they've signed up. There's this other nice thing that sometimes people are embarrassed, like they're embarrassed to cancel because they don't want to have to tell you that they're canceling. So you just have this money that's just, that, that that's just coming in. And we are in similar-ish online circles. It was called the Holistic Business Academy, was a very established brand in that world. So what is going on? Like what's leading up to this second, you know, the, the, you, you burn the ships, right? And, and there's like kind of a school of thought. It's like burn the ships because clean breaks are required to jumpstart something new. And then there's the the more the DJ crossfader. It's like fade one thing out, fade out one track, but keep the baseline going, fade the next track in so it blurs into this like beautifully cohesive story with no dips in income. What was leading up to to the burn burn, burn the motherfucker down? Yeah, I think some of this is my personality type where I um my default is to burn it down. Mm. When I'm done with something, I am so done. I, I can't, I can't fake it anymore. That's something I've gotten worse at over the years, especially working for myself. I used to be able to fake it. Now I can't. Like I really am not, uh, <laughs> like not fit for society. Um, I can't pretend. So. I tried really hard for far longer than I expected to make this work in a way where it worked for me. 
where I was enjoying my work enough. Um, and you know, we were making revenue was good, but I was unhappy. So when the time finally came, I felt like I had tried everything and I was like, I am done. So the mindset was really just was a big fuck it. I was just like, fuck it. Like it's not worth it. I also think for me, um, you know, you often don't, I think, recognize what you've made maybe until you can look at it in the past. And it's with a few months and like having so many people talk to me about what it meant to them and all this stuff. I'm not sure I realized how much it meant to people. I'm not sure I realized what it had done for people. I mean, of course I knew we had testimonials and I know a lot of my clients really intimately, but I think I didn't really have a sense of kind of the the scope of impact of it, maybe until after, which made it a little yeah. bit easier. But at the same time, when I started that, there were not a lot of people doing what I was doing. And now there are a lot of people doing it. So I think part of me was also just like, you know what? I was like, I could like throw a rock and hit 50 other programs that are decent. Like I'm good. I'm done. See you guys later. So I think Mm -hmm. I was just, I was just so over it. We were over (laughs) it. I mean that, that really like in one of your episodes, you said that um, like some, you like boredom, it was just so boring. Tell me like, what was, what's boring about making good money? What is boring about making good money? I was like, I want to hear you talk about this. So it's coming right back at you. I think there's a few things. You alluded to this, but passive income is a myth, right? That doesn't actually exist, especially in the sense that we're talking about generated from a product or a service of some kind. I think the most passive income is probably... Yeah, interest or you know, investments bill. of yeah. some kind. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Like, there. Actually, if you're doing a business activity, it is not passive. You always have people emailing. You always have people asking questions. It doesn't matter what the product is. There's always some amount of management. And for what I did, you know, when I do teaching and coaching, even at scale, I still have to show up. And maybe not a lot, but I do. And in that program, I was doing two live calls a month. I was answering questions in the community. Um, there's a huge psychic pull, whether even if you have decent boundaries, when you have hundreds and hundreds of people, like to me, like in your space, like it's a, like they're there, they're real people. It's not, um, it's not like they bought, I don't know. It's not like they bought some toilet paper from me and like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a different thing. So the boredom came from the repetition. So the very thing that I desired, the repetition mm-hmm. of revenue is part of what created the boredom. And yeah. Having people over the course of four years ask me the same questions over and over again. Um, I mean, I have a lot of compassion for people who need those questions answered, but at some point I was like, I don't have to answer these anymore, especially Mm. when they're already in your course material. But like kind of having the same issues or being able to like, you know, see somebody post something and be like, I know that three weeks down the road, I'm going to get an angry email. Like, and just, I knew all the twists and turns. So even the stuff that I found annoying was no longer novel. The work itself was not novel. And I couldn't figure out how to, move the, how to move the ship into a different direction. Right. I was like, I tried, I was like, all right, we're going to change the pricing. I'm going to change the messaging. I'm going to try to shift this. I was like trying to do all the little widgety things that we can do. Pivot, pivot this boat. It's not pivoting if it's a boat, turning Mm -hmm. the boat. That I think is like, what is boring about it? It's like, it's not just money. Yeah. And the quality of life, right. Is I think why a lot of people want to make money, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. You want to make a certain amount of money so that you aren't worried about things. I was just constantly worried. I was constantly Mm -hmm. worried about little things that probably were inconsequential, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. get out from under them. So you think that the worry, oh, sorry. No, no. So it was boring. (laughs) I would think though, that if something's boring, you're so good at it. It's like, I could do this in my sleep type thing. So like, I would feel like worry would be, I would be worried that I'm bored, but not necessarily worried about my output because I'm like, this shit's easy. Um, well, like, I think this is maybe a, I was like, this is something for my therapist. Um, <laughs> but I get really stressed when things are easy for me. I think a lot oh. of people do, especially oh. folks who are, I don't, love, I don't like this term high achiever, but uh, sure. Or people who are really um, intrinsically motivated and mm-hmm. ambitious. Um, things that are easy are often concerning because it's like there's either you shouldn't be doing it or you must be doing it wrong. And I think that that coupled with the guilt I felt about being bored 
like yeah. I'm an anxious kind of person. So that kind of stoked it for me, but yeah, like, I hear you. And I wish it was the kind of boredom where it was rote, but instead yeah. I felt guilty about being bored. I felt worried that people could tell that I was bored, mm. um, that they were like, Oh, she's checked out. Like, I mean, all these stories in my head. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I can't. I could tell her, so on, we talked about briefly about my Wall Street pivot, and, and I won't bore my listeners to, to death with that one because I've talked about it every day for eight straight years. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll talk about a more recent pivot. Actually, very, very, the one that actually brought us together was a similar-ish kind of online business-related piv- pivot. So this episode will come out after this course, but we had this productivity course, uh, Supercharger Productivity course. It launched during COVID, and it was just the Goldilocks economy. I think over, the, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but it probably did somewhere between like one and a half and $2 million of revenue yes. over two and a half years. And I was so into it and I loved it at the beginning. And then it crashed like, well, like all online courses when, you know, people went back to work. But, but at the same time, what I realized was like, I don't like this anymore. So it was a very similar feeling. I'm like, this is kind of boring for me. And, and, and we should talk about this because the passive income, that this was not passive because it was a live course. But the thing, one of the things that I really didn't like, which I probably would have benefited from your academy, was the marketing of it. I found it very icky and very um, manipulative and, and all of that stuff. I bring it up because literally today, uh, so we're running the last one. You know, we have this huge asset and we still have like severance to pay off. Like we need cash. And so we're just going to run one last one. I'm going to put everything I have into this last one. But I had to promote it this week and I'm like sitting in front of my keyboard tweeting and I'm like, I can't do, I cannot write a single tweet on it. I literally couldn't do it. I went to cheat. I just like Googled, like I searched old tweets of mine on the topic and I just rewrote them. I just like changed the, the order basically. And I'm just like, and, and it, it goes to your point. I'm like, the people know whether they know or they, you know, it's, and, but it's almost like that is that is the utmost sign to me that this thing has run. If I can't even copy my own old work and change a few letters, that that I find that so like I would rather try to like write a treatise or something <laughs> than yeah. to than to try to modify one old tweet that I know will work. And so I can so relate to that, you know. Like, look, and and I, similar to you is like I I look. I know you said that people were projecting a lot of things when you shut down Holistic Business Academy. And I project, you know, I, I'm like, oh, shit, we f- we failed. You know, like we had to let people go. The demand that we thought we were going to have plummeted. And I was basically all year I've been extremely disoriented by all of that. My ego took a massive hit. It was devastating to lay so many people off. And I was just kind of, I felt unmoored. I'm like, God, if I couldn't do this thing that I'd, that I'd done so well and people liked and were pray, you know, I became that, that person, like who, like, who am I? And I was kind of grasping it. And then I'm like, fuck it. We, we let everyone go except for one person. And we're in complete to use Pema Chodron, one of my favorite spiritual teachers. We're in complete groundlessness. Like I have no idea what the ground looks like below us, but it's amazing. And, and amazing things have come come out of it. So so yes, very relatable on this kind of boredom. Like, like literally cannot move my finger. My finger refuses to move to know that like, if you moved finger, you might be able to generate like 10 grand of revenue, but finger won't move. Finger ain't having it today. That is like, I love how specific that example is because I do think that's such a great indicator. The whole point of so much of this is the rinse and repeat. And I love that. I love repurposing. I love being able to take the thing and tweak it. Like I'm not about just, yeah, I'm not really into time wasting. Um, but you hit a point where that doesn't work either because you can't do it or the market no longer responds. And those things can often be linked. You're right. You're kind of like, Oh, I can get 10 K, but Oh, it's going to be painful. <laughs> like I got to pull it out of the market. And, um, you know, as like kind of a sales strategist, you know, there's always more we can do from that lens. We can refresh the messaging. We can blah, 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 blah. But you have to be willing, right? You have to be willing to do it. And I had the same thing where I remember the last big messaging refresh I did that was successful. And I remember being like, I had my finger on the pulse and I was like, oh man, everyone's talking about this thing. This thing is fucking stupid. I was like, I'm mad about it. Often 
being angry helps me to create good copy. I'm like, no, I'm mad about this. Everyone's obsessed with this strategy. It's a bad strategy and I'm just going to go for it. And, um, you know, in my opinion, of course. And then like towards the end, I was like, I got nothing. I, I was like, I'm too, I, I got nothing to pull from. What am I going to say to these people? Oh man, social media sucks. Like who cares? I was like, I don't care. I don't want to hear myself talk about this. Yeah. So I, I like relate to that so much. We were like, I already even have the content. I just need to zhuzh it. I just need to like <laughs> just do something. And I'm like, ugh. And then, yeah, the, it's so hard to then see the impact of that. Right. Yeah. We let people mm. go too, you know, yeah. I, and let down many, many, many people. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, that's projecting to some extent. Yeah. Think shit happens. But I'm like, yeah, I made commitments that I could not honor. Yeah. Which I don't love. Yeah. I'm I'm completely I'm completely with you on that. And and to some extent I think I have some kind of like I just have such whiplash from that. I'm like, I've never which is funny because when I was a solo person with a VA I'm like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, I can't wait to scale. And, and I, you know, very similar to you. It's like I wanted to give people real health care and real benefits and real time off. And like I did all the shit, you know, like we had rules, like very respectful rules about how to engage on the weekends and, you know, all that completely asynchronous. Like I'm really proud of that, how we built that. And it didn't work. <laughs> like, you know, like the revenue didn't. And I don't think that that they're Call, they're correlated directly, but there was this kind of disappointment. And so now I'm, I'm kind of like, again, I'm reorienting myself and saying, oh, wow, I couldn't do it that way. But now I'm de very much in a like, let's keep it like narrow and tight um, and like focus on the creativity. But I want to ask you, you know, this question of boredom, like, should business be boring? Right. Because I think that you know, that's the allure, that's the allure of any career is you do a career or not any, many careers and many online businesses, many businesses, you make a widget and you market a widget. And over time, the making of said widget gets easier. So you increase productivity or increase margin to use more technical jargon. And then the marketing of it gets better because you just you're repeating, refining, refining, zhuzhing. I love the, you're the first guest that's ever used zhuzh on this podcast. So thank you. Uh, you're zhuzhing it up. And then you have this like beautiful machine and it's so fucking boring. It's so boring. It's so boring. And so like, are, are you and I just like wired differently that we expect business to satisfy this emotional creative need that's like so non-negotiable that we're willing to literally walk away from tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars or is that are like do you ever wonder like do we have like this fucking blind spot that most people don't have i love this question because i think that like a successful business is boring to a point and like where that mm. point is i think varies depending on who you are I think some of my early teachers and people who've been able to maintain large online personality-driven businesses, I think it's really important to note that, like, this is not, these are not actually widgets. It's actually you yeah. and actually me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. people, right? Like, you are not you know, a widget, Sarah. You are not a widget, right? <laughs> You're not a gadget, you are not a widget. Lanier, yeah. <laughs> you are not a widget. Unfortunately, you're not a widget. Um, yeah. And a lot of those people, I think you get, start to see, and I've known, start to have to spend more and more and more time not working, um, which I know sounds good, but they're spending the time not working in order to be able to show up for the things they have to show up for. And this is kind of like becomes kind of buried in this kind of like self care boundaries kind of talk, which isn't necessarily incorrect. But when we start to talk about that quality of life, it's like if you have to take off so much time and have so much team to filter everything through because you have to get all of your needs fulfilled in other ways so you can show up for that one hour every week for your clients. Mm. I don't know. If you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars, maybe it's worth it, right? There might be a number yeah. for people. But you start to notice people pull back in some ways and talk a lot about needing to like recharge and like um <laughs> it's always in this like kind of like coachy language where you're like, oh that sounds nice. And I'm like, oh no, you're burnt out. I was like, you're totally mm. burnt out. And you have the team to kind of build it up, which is what I tried to do. And it sounds like you also like you have the team to build it up, but also the team to buffer. 
Um, I don't know that a lot of, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to put us under the category of charismatic founders and not Mm -hmm. like in a culty way, but I do think (laughs) it's part of it, right? Again, a lot of this is like a personal, a personal brand, even, even when we try for it not to be, it still is that I do think that it starts to take more and more time to recharge those batteries over time. Mm. So the, because you, 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 the the real problem for me is that you've solved the problem. You know how Mm. the path is going to go. So it's no longer engaging. It's no longer interesting. You're no longer driven by that desire to figure it out. So you have to find something else. And I think there are people who figure out how to do that, but you know, these aren't laundromats. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a different business model where you and I have to be able to show up and do this. Like this is work, right? This is fun, Mm -hmm. but this is work. We're showing up, we're showing off, we're, 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 we're stretching our brains, (laughs) we're, we're focused. I'm like trying to be mindful of how I can like move my head really weird sometimes when I get really into something and talking and I'm like, no, you're on video, (laughs) like be good. Yeah. So I, I, but I think that's it where I, if you look at people who are really, really established, their, for lack of a term, self-care regimen is massive. And I actually don't know if that's a good thing. Like, I think we look at that as being this like really cool thing. Like, oh wow, they spend so much time like taking, getting massages and doing ice baths or whatever the thing is we're doing today. Wim Hof, right? And like, is that good though? That they need to spend that much time to get ready to show up for the one event. Because I think that's what it is. That, I had never thought about it that way because I spend a lot of time on self-care, right? I meditate 40 minutes a day. I run. I, I, I sometimes, ever since I, I'm on a drinking hiatus, and so every time I feel the need, need to drink, I go for a run, which basically means I end up running every day <laughs> on top of like whatever I did for exercise. I sleep eight and a half, nine hours. I read sacred texts. Before. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, am I? Am I doing that? It's an interesting thing because self-care has become such a non-negotiable in my life. I would defend myself against my own accusation by saying that my guide, my North Star for so many things that I do is what I call aliveness. You know, some people might call it flow or ease or joy. But for me, it's like aliveness in this kind of like jumping out of your seat in a, you know, in an enthusiastic kind of uh, childlike way. Like when I found the the hook for today's podcast of like you hitting the cancel button, I was like, I can't <laughs> wait to use that one, you know? And I was just like, can this podcast start already? But I do, it's an interesting question of like, well, I guess, let me flip it back to you. It's like, how do you know that your self-care is in service, like has been appropriated by I don't want to use the C word, but like capitalism or like some kind of economic system or your self-care is intrinsically like nourishing. Well, I think what you just said was great, right? This aliveness. So Mm. I've got last year, I got really into bouldering, like indoor bouldering. I am not good. Brooklyn boulders? I live further away. I go to a place called Metro Rock and Bushwick where everyone is very cool. And I was like, I am not cool enough to be here. Um, But I like, I bike over there. It's like a 10 minute bike ride. So I get a nice little warm up and then I climb for like an hour, hour and a half. And I am not good. And I love it. It is so much fun. It is like definitely that childlike wonder. It's like problem solving. It's so weird. You get to fall. You get to see kids be better than you. Like the little kids come up and like crush it. And you're like, oh my God, I'm. And climbers are just cool people. They're just like fucking climbers cool are cool. Yeah, climbers are everyone cool. there is so cool. Everyone's like, I don't know. The, it's such a great mix of intense and chill. I was like, everyone's mm-hmm. super intense and also really laid back. And I'm like, yes, like I, I have less laid back. So I'm like, I'm going to cultivate some of this. But that, what you're talking about, that like aliveness. Now, of course, there are days I go where I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to go, but I don't feel great. Like I used to do powerlifting. Like I'm very comfortable with like, you know, that like, yeah, I have an exercise. I'm going to do it today. Like, even if I'm not like a hundred percent, I don't think that's what that is, but it's like most of the time I'm like, fuck yeah. Like that was so Mm -hmm. much fun. Even when I don't have a great session, I'll be like, that wasn't a great session, but I'm still loving it. And I think of some of the other things I've done that are less like that. I think Mm -hmm. about, for example, not a bad thing, but when I'm in a place in my kind of like mental state where I need to go for long walks, not want to need to, Um, If I don't, 
I wouldn't, I don't think I would actually do this, but I feel like I'm going to punch through a wall. Right. So I'm like, what is the kind of driver behind it? And how consistently is that the driver I think might be kind of the question to ask. And I can imagine, you know, I used to have these days where I would do a couple coaching calls and the night before, if not the morning of, I would already be anxious for no reason. Mm, I've done group coaching for seven years. I have literally talked to like thousands of people who I've never talked to before and been able to help them. Like I I can do that. And I would start to feel so anxious. I'd get nervous. I'd start refreshing things on my screen. And then I'd be like, okay, I need to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. The walk is not bad, but the the thing that's driving that is not a state I want to be on on a regular basis. I don't know. What do you think? I think, I think you're, you're spot on. I think that there's this, it's like the, you know, in meditation circles, they might call it discernment. It's kind of like a, a very, um, my daughter has this books like Fancy Nancy. And so Fancy Nancy comes up with all these like French words. So like, this is escargot. Like it actually means snail. But uh, discernment would be another one of, one of those, which is like noticing or paying attention. The copywriter in me cringes every time he sees the word discernment. But I think there is this, this discernment and this kind of these noticing of these, I think they're almost... And this is where the self-care comes in. They're these like tiny, tiny shifts. I'll give you an example. I never liked running and I started running and I was enjoying it. We live right by the beach. So it's like this beautiful, amazing run. And I started running and then I did something very sneaky after my run. I finished my run and I opened up Apple Notes and I wrote my time. And then the next day I went for a run and then I opened up Apple Notes and I wrote my time and it went down. It, went, it was faster. I'm like, sweet. And then the third day it went down, it went down. And then the fifth day it went up, even though I felt like it had gone down. Cause I was like, I'm fucking, you know, it's like Rage Against the Machine was playing. Like I'm crushing it. <laughs> it's like, so like 40 year old dad, like Rage Against the Machine and Tool was blaring in my headset and I crushed my run. <laughs> yeah. That's the most dad thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it went up and I felt shitty. I had to zoom out and I said, why are you doing this? It's like, it's so private, right? I'm not like posting these anywhere. It's not on Strava. It's a completely private. No one in the universe gives a fuck about my four mile running time. No one, literally no one, not even my wife, especially not my wife. (laughs) It's not impressive, but you're still doing it. And I just like, It was that little notice when how shitty I felt when it got worse that one time, kind of invalidating that great feeling I had for the 40, you know, it was 44 minutes, 10 seconds that I had leading up to it. And I'm like, and I still actually don't know. I think that there's a lot, I've done a lot of therapy and different types modalities. Like there's a lot of kind of healing of enoughness and feeling good and feeling whole and I won't bore my audience. They've heard that story a bazillion times. But I do think that when there's a number, even the most asinine number, like how long did it take you to run five miles? It's a, it, it, it's me reverting back to this. It's like kind of you being anxious in front of prior to this thing that you've done a million times where the stakes are quite low. Like, like the stakes in my running are, they're literally zero. The stakes in your coaching are quite low because you've done it before. You have the trust and all of that. So it's like just to wrap it around, I think that that there is this discernment where you're just like, my one of my coaches calls it the pebble in their shoe. It's like, ooh, something's in my shoe and I could keep walking the rest of my life without taking this out. And most people do. And I think what you know you and I have just met but I think you you and I are at the point in our lives where we're like I will not walk another step with a fucking pebble in my shoe let alone for the rest of my life but again I think you need to go through that journey of noticing things taking burning bridges being driven by that nose of curiosity being repelled by the roteness of, of everydayness. Um, I don't know. How do you think of this? Like you strike me as someone who's extremely self-aware. Um, how does the role of, of discernment kind of factor into, into your business and your personal life? Oh, I think it's everything. Um, 
I'm with you. I'm like, I, I, I love the word and I'm also like, oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> um, like I'm at a, like I'm getting in trouble at a Dharma talk. You know, self-awareness, I think is something that anyone can cultivate. It's not necessarily easy. It probably depends a lot on how you were raised and how you were rewarded and all sorts of things that you guys can talk about your therapists with. But it's something I've worked really hard on, especially since I stopped drinking, because in order to stop something that is not only physically, but also kind of emotionally addictive, you have to start to get to know yourself better and understand why you're doing what you're doing so you can stop. And the the process of discernment is often I think, and I think the business was such a good example of that, is figuring out essentially, you know, where am I acting from this place of, of anxiety, right? Which for me is kind of the not fun devil on the shoulder versus, you know, uh, so many words. I'm like, all my little coachy words, like authenticity, alignment. Mm-hmm. These are not actually things that I say. I never say these, but I'm going to say them right now. <laughs> but where I'm being really true to myself. And at some point, you know, the anxiety about, for example, closing the product not the, the anxiety had flipped where now I was anxious because, you know, because I had to keep it going instead of, cause I wanted to leave it. But yeah, I think that like taking that time for discernment is critical. And I do think in, under that, like kind of self-care, like kind of lens, um, having the space to do that's really important. You have to make the yeah. room for it because otherwise you just keep doing the same thing basically, or you do the thing that you were told you were supposed to do or whatever you've internalized about, what success looks like or, or mm. how spending your time is what is worthy use of spending your time or yeah. any of these things. So, wow. So how do you, you know, if you go back to the, the leaving, like if you're, you're embarking on a new chapter, can you describe the alignment that you're looking for? Cause you were misaligned. And so you walk, I, I, for, I always forget, we get so into the, 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 the new, not the nuance, the texture of the, of the details in this. It's like, but the question is like walking away from something good. And so a good walking away from good money, obviously there was a misalignment there. And we talked about the, the part that was poorly aligned. How do you move forward into positive or healthy alignment for whatever you do next? Because I think that's a, that's a the million dollar question for so many people. It's like, how do I align the I know it's like Ikigai, right? It's like the thing that makes me money, the unique skill that I have, the thing that the world needs, and I forget the fourth one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, how? I guess I'm working on it, work in progress. I wonder if you have any answers. We'll we'll, we'll see what we can pull forward. I think there's a few things. I do think that learning kind of just what you were talking about with the running, learning what it feels like to do something hard in a way that is motivating and exciting and interesting, even when it's challenging, right? So like that kind of the, that 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 is that really richly textured challenge, to use that language you just said, mm-hmm. um, coupled with the hard that is from punishment, I think is Ooh. I think is the first level of discernment. Um, I think we're very good at punishing ourselves, and that kind of that that notation you were talking about, right? And like you got that that lower number, and it's like, no, I'm bad, <laughs> like oh, immediately, shit. right? Exactly. You're like, for me, I'm always like, I'm a bad person. I'm going to be dead in a ditch. It's like my brain immediately like oh, sees this God. image of me like dead on the side of the road in New York City. <laughs> which is oh where I live. my God, um, you're not that. You're not the first that has used that analogy. You probably will be the last. No, it's and it's very visceral, and I'm immediately like, oh, dead in ditch. Like mm-hmm. you, you fucked it up this time. You are now dead in the ditch. But I'm really, I'm a very intrinsically motivated person. And so I had to take, figure out kind of what that felt like again, because I think I had kind of lost it. Money, I mean, any kind of reward, but money makes it harder to discern because money has so many stories and it also has real tangible benefit in your life. It's really nice to be able to like, I always like joke, but I'm like, we drink a lot of seltzer in my household. We're all we're all sober here. We drink a whole lot of seltzer. And it's like just being able to go to Costco and get all the seltzer that we want, these big cases of seltzer. Like for me, it's like pure abundance. I'm like, yes, this is this is this is what I want. But that kind of freedom can also be limiting. So it's hard when money's attached. I think what I started to do were a couple things. Um I had to relearn what that felt like. And that really did mean for lack of like leaning into my hobbies. I was like, I really had to like try to find ambition elsewhere and big ambition. My current project is I'm working on a novel. Wow. For anyone Hell who doesn't yeah. know anything about novels, it turns out no one cares about them until they're done and you can try to market them. <laughs> Unlike online products where you can beta test it and get paid right away, a novel, not so much if you're a rando. Mm. Um, 
So I have to, I like started working on this project and like writing a lot and having so much fun. And it's so hard. It is so hard in all the best ways. It's like everything I've ever learned. I'm like trying to like, I have to like pull together like writing and, and, and like experience and memory and like all of this. It's so fascinating. It's so all encompassing and there's no promise of a reward. Shockingly, selling books is hard. Like I was like, this is not like, I've got nothing to say. This is going to go anywhere. And just giving myself the space to work on that a bit. I was like, Oh, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like when I'm doing something that is like, that is right. And that doesn't mean I can't do something and get paid and have it be right. But I was like, Oh, finding that ambition and that scope of ambition elsewhere. I was like, oh, this is the feeling. Because I needed the somatic memory of what it felt like after mm-hmm. so many years of like the Sisyphean, like up the up the hill getting crushed, you know, thing. Yeah, but then but then the counter, what someone would say immediately after that, they'd be like, that's awesome. How are you going to make money bouldering and selling a novel? That's a person. really great question. <laughs> I mean, I'm working on that, right? How do you, I was like, I was like, be an influencer, not (laughs) happening. Um, I did briefly, I was like, man, could I do the YouTube? And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. It's Um, brutal. Brutal. And definitely not, not for, not for those things. I was like, you, yeah, who's going to watch a lot of bouldering videos of somebody who falls off of V2s? I'm just, I'm going to be honest. It's going to be very unpopular. Um. I do think that comes back to what you're saying, right? The the sensory experience of what it feels like to do something and enjoy it because you like it is worth trying to find again. And I do think that finding ambition outside of work is probably healthy, maybe for people like you and me. (laughs) Um, But how to make money? Well, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm still figuring it out. I've been doing a lot of consulting. I've been being really picky about projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the benefits of working for myself is that I can go and test things and try them out and get the feedback. So I've been doing a ton of product launches. I've been seeing what's going on right now with people. Again, sales and marketing strategist working intimately. And I'm going to do that for a little bit really until I see, until I see the trend again, until I see the thing. But working on launches, for example, is extremely engaging. There's a huge amount of time pressure, huge amount of financial pressure. It's not my launch, which is great, but it's, it's very mentally engaging. So I have that same experience. I get these moments where I'm like, when I... I love a sales page. I love sales pages. It's like my favorite thing to work on. Oh my God. That's Um, where you and I are going to (laughs) disagree. I'm like, ah, I hate that thing. I know. So many people do, but I love it. I don't know why. But when I get, I'm like, oh my God, I get to work on the sales page today. I get to give feedback on it because I do kind of coaching and editing. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for those same experiences, but in places that let me test new ideas, right? Where I get to kind of do the exploratory stuff. Um, but I'm not going to lie. It's hard. It's really hard to sit there and be like, okay, I know what I want this to feel like. How can I map these things together? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I have an answer about that. How about you? Yeah. It's a good (laughs) question. I was hoping you'd forget to ask, but, um, (laughs) I think that a few things have, have happened. I think that there's, you know, with, with a decent sized audience, legacy products, like there's still, drips and drabs of like i just like woke up the other day and there was like two thousand dollars of affiliate fees that were just like there because someone's on, on some annual plan you know <laughs> so i'm like oh cool you know so that that there's dribs and drabs but they're definitely smaller dribs and smaller drabs the less uh effort you put into them i think i think it really is like the the dj cr- like crossfading mix where you know there's still like we're winding down different programs but they still make some money I've done three, I've done three, I'll tell you what I've done tactically, and then I'll tell you what I've done like more spiritually. Tactically, I've opened up the door a little bit more to one-on-one coaching, which is something that I was always like, no time for money, bad, 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 not scalable, like, you know, online business, no, no. And, but I have an extremely high rate. So, you know, when you trade time for money at a very high rate, it's, uh, everyone's trading time for money somehow. So being okay with that. And then it, it's like finding the right clients that, that are enjoyable to work with. So doing that coaching, consulting, I really, I believe that there's something in the kind of, uh, in the group coaching land for me where it's not this like cohort based online course where it's like a transfer of skill, but there is this kind of, it's like part Dharma talk, part accountability, 
part theory, part, you know, workshop. Like, I think that there, I have a way to put that together and I've done different, I'm kind of like trying different um, uh, formats on that. And then we get a little bit of sponsor, like our newsletter is 50,000 people. So it's about five grand a month of sponsorship revenue nice. for ConvertKit. So it's like, it's, it's, it's real money. So those are kind of like the, the few, the few things that we're doing, but the thing that I realized was, and it kind of jives with like, I think this is my second walking away. It's like, if I wanted to teach productivity, if I wanted to even teach like newsletters or a lot of kind of online business stuff, I can make good money doing that. I know I have all the pieces. I just don't want to do it. And I think it became very clear to me because people have always said to me, um, you should write a book. I'm like, okay. But then they say like, you'd have a great book on productivity. And I'm like, I that's the last thing the world needs is another book. Like, you know, the, the example of like not being able to write the tweet, like the writing the productivity manuscript that, that I'd rather go back to wall street. That just sounds <laughs> like, like sounds so boring and so mind numbing. And, and I'm just, I've, I've, I've outgrown that. I've moved on from that phase. That was a healthy chunk of my online life. And I've just moved on from that identity. I've moved on from that topic. I don't care anymore. I just, I have internalized a lot of the behaviors. I'm very productive, but I just, I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. And I think what I realized was these containers were really fucking with me. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of coaches, I never really followed this, but they're like, whenever you say I should do this, like there's a, like a big warning sign goes off. Like who says who, right? There's a big, like, don't say should, right? Again, I'm paraphrasing. And so I should write a productivity book or I should have a podcast. And funny enough, I was so anti-podcast because they're very hard to grow and the economics are not particularly compelling uh, in, in the early days. But the thing that really bothered me is I didn't want to have like a Tim Ferriss interview style podcast, like where you get the latest author on and you talk about the book and they tell the same story they've told on every single podcast. I have no disrespect to those podcasts. I just don't, again, wrong container for, for yours truly. And so I was in this phase where the containers were really unattractive to me. And I think people can like... If you, you know, like if you're an uh, engagement manager at McKinsey, you're like, is the container of being a partner that much more exciting than the, like, the thing below? So everyone knows the containers because they're very sequential and they're very linear and, and, and they're well known. So I rebelled against them. I'm like, I'm not going to do the containers. And so this is how this podcast came up. I'm like, well, wouldn't it be cool to just have interesting conversations that are not the book tour with cool people. I'm like, I'm down with that. And, and I made a very strict rule, no prep. I don't want to have to, if I don't want to, have, I didn't want to have a podcast that required prepping because I didn't want to read someone's book just because they're coming on my podcast. Like I'd rather read a book I want to read. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, no, I'm um, like, yes, a hundred percent. I know. No, it's, it's, it's just so, so when I closed the door on containers, known containers, all these new ones opened up. In fact, even in the medium that I was so against, I've been so anti-podcast for years for, for the, the reasons I just described. And then you, you'll relate to this as a writer. Mostly what I read, uh, I read sacred texts for nonfiction, quote unquote nonfiction, and then I read um, literature for, for fun. Like I don't really read a lot of self-improvement. And so I, which, so... I recently read, it's very old, um, Welcome, a, a Visit from the Goon Squad, Jennifer Egan. Oh, yeah. For those who aren't familiar, it's a very confusing, it's not confusing, the structure is confusing. It has, it's not linear, like it looks like it could be a bunch of short stories. It won a Pulitzer, the Pulitzer. It could be a bunch of different stories, but the characters show up kind of in other vignettes. And there's like random weird stuff. People always say there's a power. One of the chapters is a PowerPoint presentation that advances the story. And the other, there's like an editorial or some news, newspaper article. And I was like, that is a, a friend. My friend Stephen rec recommended it to me. I'm like, he's like, you should write a book like that. That's like weird and doesn't fit the format. I'm like, yeah, but I won't. The publisher is not going to give the first time writer the room to write the fucking weirdest book they can write. I'm like, he's like, well, then don't get it published. Like you have 50,000 people on your, on your list. Like, you know, start there. And so 
to those listening, the, this very long-winded way of saying is that there was a container, there was a script, there was an expectation from society, from peers. And when I s- challenged the expectation, a lot of doors opened that were very adjacent to that expectation, but much more suited for me. And I do think that all of those are monetizable. They might take longer. They might be different. uh, They might not be as obvious, but they're like, of course you can, like you can probably make more money self-publishing than traditional publishing. And even then you probably could leverage a weird book into a traditional deal if you wanted to, right? Like there's, there's so many different levers. And if you just say like, K must write productivity nonfiction book, like that's just one strand. Yeah. It's Fuck funny, the containers. but yeah, when we think about, right, like why, why do people want to work for themselves or to do a kind of project uh, or to write a book, right? It's because you want to do something that you haven't done before. And it's so easy for us. I think this is true. Well, I mean, I know this is true in any business space. There are, it turns out there are schools where they teach you this weird. Um, there are ways that we now believe are the defaults for how to do business that are passed down like sacred texts of themselves, right? The, you know, our business case studies and, uh, myth. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> fucking Sorry. hate that book. So, uh, I don't read, I also do not read any, yeah. I like do not read any of that stuff at this point. Yeah. Every time I read something like that, I get so furious. I, I get so, I actually have thought about having a book club where we read those books and critique them, except <laughs> Then I was like, then you'd have to read them again. Like these mm-hmm. terrible management books where like you assume that people are bad and like are gonna steal from you. I was like, this is this is bad. But it would be like the- I could see like the like the 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 hipster ironic book club where you just like you just like get together and drink paps and, <laughs> and like axe throw and then you critique you like ironically take lessons from the e myth into like your daily life. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is our first joint event. I'm just throwing it out there. Um <laughs> But I think that we have to remember, especially in the online space, like the podcast and this and that, like none of that was a given. None of that was a given 20 years ago, right? And none of the ways about how people do things now were a given even a few years ago, yeah. right? I talk about this a lot from a strategic standpoint, but the the primary lead generation drivers of kind of web 2.0 uh, online education don't actually work all that well anymore, yeah. right? It's a whole other conversation, but like mm. the companies that are extremely successful now were built off of chief Facebook ad leads that don't yeah. exist anymore. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. not so. I love what you're talking about in the sense of recognizing how easy it is for us to get funneled into these spaces and forget not just even to critique them, but forget to look outside, forget that actually we're here, we're building things. So why can't we build different containers and build different ways of doing it? Like it's, it's so silly. And I do the same thing, but so silly. I see all these entrepreneurs running around being like, Oh, I have to do this because this is the thing. And I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? Like Mm. this, (laughs) aren't you a builder? Make something new. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I really wanted to ask you this question about identity like the identity of being, so this is very specific to being an online business. It's like you're, you, you used, I think you charismatic founders, you know, you use that like personality. I've been struggling with this because I want to do this for a long time. This being like a personality driven business. But like when I was 26, I was just blacking out trying to get laid in New York City and now I'm a 44-year-old dad that like jogs to avoid drinking and listening to Rage Against the Machine at nine in the morning on a Tuesday. And so I'm just going to change and evolve. And and I see I see kind of the opposite of like you see it in like writing writing courses, which is just like very difficult space to to observe from from the outside. And like one day you're not going to want to talk about just writing. And so you, there's this kind of constant shedding of an identity, which in, which you you may or may not be in right now. You're like, you're, you're definitely shedding the identity of being the founder of Holistic Business Academy. And how do you think of these like deaths and rebirths of, of identities? What do you like, like, there's the way you show the world, but there's also like internally how it feels to be, to use Pema Trojan's world, like the groundlessness of it. Oh, 
And then you mentioned that at the top that you're kind of feeling this, un been feeling unmoored, um, that groundlessness. I love, I love that. I think there's a few things. I do think that like most things, we can get used to that. <laughs> we can become more comfortable with the discomfort. We can become yeah. more comfortable with the, um, with the groundlessness, with the change. And I think that's generally, I think that's a good thing. I work really hard to cultivate my ability ability to change. Mm -hmm. Humans tend to be pretty change resistant. We're really encouraged to be change resistant. It's risky. Um, it's risky. You know, it's the kind of thing that threatens you from being in the in group and all sorts of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think you talk about your meditation practice, you know, I think that, that what a way to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, right. Sitting there and watching your own thoughts. Ugh, it's mm -hmm. so hard and terrible and great. So I, I work to maintain or grow this ability to change. So it has gotten a little easier with time. Um, but I do think that first of all, yes, a hundred percent. My identity right now is like, I have no idea who I am anymore. I do. And I don't, it's really hard though to shut down a big thing. And people are still like, Oh yeah, you did this big thing. And I was like, I did. And now everyone's like, what are you doing now? And I was like, working, writing a book, hanging out, petting my dog. I don't really know. Um, I think there's a few things. You know, the internet collapses time in a way which makes it feel like we should have solved these problems faster than I think anyone normal does. My product actually like fully closed like end of July. Like we're recording it's this in the middle 12th. of September. <laughs> so there's like, and like I started, like I started wow. the wind down at the end of March. That's when I told the clients like into April, but like July. <laughs> so there is wow. this, but, but I get it's it. Like and it's I get two, it. We're talking about it. Like it's two year ordeal, you know? Right, like, like it's been two years, Sarah, since you've produced anything new. When are we going to get something? <laughs> By and the way, and it was like summer also. It was summer. It was August, which I have learned the hard way is just not, it's just not worth it for me. I like never have good sales in August. Um, so I actually took most of August off, but I think there's a time collapse and it's so easy because we go online when we have something to share and people are always coming and sharing. And it's like the, the part of like identity collapse is not really shareable. Like where it is, it's like, yes, it's like, I am running every morning and listening to Rage Against the Machine. Like, it's like, you could like write that, but it's not like. <laughs> it's not content. It's yeah. not like a lesson, <laughs> right? But I think the other piece, and this is something that came up in a conversation with some clients, and I am so sorry because I cannot remember the person who said the thing that made me think of this. So uh, apologies, client, if you are this person, let me know. But we were talking a little bit about this maneuverability and someone mentioned musicians and how recording artists, right? And he, every album is a new project. Yeah. And I was like, wait, Right, there are all these other fields where people are constantly reinventing in ways big and small. Artists, musicians, uh, my old, old background is actually working in fashion. And I was like, no. right, you have seasons. Like, there's a new show, there's a new thing, there's a new this. There's actually entire fields where it's really normal for a couple times a year or every few years to be someone completely new. Yeah. And I was like, but we still listen to them, right? And at some point you might be like, okay, that band five albums in is not who I liked initially, you know, or whatever, but right? Like there's a yeah. model for this. It's just I not know. in business where mm -hmm. stability is graphed onto sameness. Yeah. Ooh. And it's it, it, funny, it kind of comes back to our uh, Sebastian sells seashells by the, you know, it's like every seven years there, there's this, I, I've come to accept that, that I don't think I, cause like kind of my, my careers have kind of worked in these kind of eight year chunks. And so it's kind of like, I feel like I'm in the start of, of like this next string of eight, which will take me to fucking 52. Like my, you know, my kids will be, my eldest will be going to college at when this next season is over. And, and yeah, I'm like, I do love the artist metaphor, not even metaphor. I was like, I think of, you know, one hit wonder, one hit, one album bands. I'm like, oh yeah, they like, every, like they're still playing that same album 20 years later. I'm like, and again, it's not an, it's not a critique on them. Like some people want to drink Starbucks every morning because of the familiarity, right? Some people want to hear the greatest hits album every time because of the familiarity. And, and it's just a, it's an, it's a discernment in myself that's like, I need change. Things got to be different. And I think you said it at one point. It's like, is it coming from a place, paraphrasing, is it coming from a place of, of, of curiosity and creativity or a place of like self-loathing 
and and anger and and you know escapism, right? It's like kind of like finding that right, uh, making sure that the the source of it is is healthy. And I wonder, you have kids, and this is probably—I mean, it's a little cliche to even say—but I think it's worth mentioning. Like your children change all the time, yeah. right? And in fact, you hope they do, I believe. Mm-hmm. And is there some arbitrary date where you expect them to be fixed in time and space? Yeah, no, I mean, we're no. like basically you've got we have all these markers where you're expected to change i'm a high school student now i'm in college now if you do that like i'm getting married and then it's all of a sudden you're just done like that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. right like i think too that i you know there's always this because even i've written about this i call it the magic window where i'm still in it with my my kids where you're the center of their world Mm -hmm. although you know now there's you know ariana grande posters and she's like she's like puts her headphones on and like i'm listening to SZA, like leave me alone dad but at the same time it's not like the way i wrote it's like oh that window closes and then then they're like off with their homies you know skateboarding and causing ruckus and tping people's houses it's like no like we were in new york this summer and my eldest she's like turning into like not a foodie but a curious a curious eater and so everything is like let's rank all the cookie places in new york Right. And like, I mean, that that is so that is so fun. And like, sure, she probably wants to hang out with her friends more than all things considered. Like if it was friends or dad, she would pick friends. But at the same time, she wants to go rank all the ramen places in New York City. Like, let's fucking go. You know, so I I do there there again. It it is this like like I keep actually coming back to the kind of crossfading DJ thing where it's not this like cliff where it's like oh no your kid hates you never wants to talk to you again it's like no like it's just the edges have changed the uh the texture has changed but there's like this still kind of core thread that that permeates and i do think that for me i i have seen this core thread permeate like i was you know when i was in high in college i was in i would volunteer in uh like in kindergartens so I always liked kids and I always liked teaching. And I, but I was a computer science major. I worked on Wall Street. I knew web design. So I was like a very kind of not the type of person you would think would be in a school with young kids. And so it's kind of like, and even if I think of some of the group coaching programs that we run now, like that is my form of teaching. I even view like my writing as a form. It's not necessarily teaching, but it's it's like a transfer. It's an exchange of of, of wisdom, of knowledge, right, and information. So when you zoom out, the, the the thread is like still very consistent, even though the containers like Wall Street to you know groundless K are <laughs> are are completely uh, completely unhinged. Yeah. No, I think the threads are there. That's the benefit of, of being able to, to look back at time. And I think that when you start to notice what those things are, and I think maybe a few, a few failures, a few burning of bridges and ships help you to really notice what those core things are that you carry forward. I'm hopeful for you and me. And I actually have great faith, um, that then we can start to more intentionally build around them. Right. And bring those in, in these ways where the next thing like the level of self-awareness that you're describing in terms of those those threads is so much higher than I imagine it was when you started working oh online, God. right? Yeah. Like well, leaps I, and I bounds. Just like anything that scared me, I would just like drink to make, you know, to like stop, deal, stop feeling it. Stop it. You know, yeah. so so it was just like a very. I I know the. I mean, already I'm just like wow, like God, that was a that was an unhealthy coping mechanism, um, and and so. So yeah, a lot of, you know, and even not, a lot of numbing, both substances, but also just like more work and, you know, beating your body up in a certain way or, you know, different, you know, lots of numbing, right? And I think that, I think that that actually probably like comes some closes another thread that we're talking about where you're mentioning like needing so much self-care just to show up. I think that if you start to become aware of your numbers, then your self-care become there's like an earnestness to your self-care where be, before it was like this like very like aggressive pendulum. Like, i'm gonna like 
get so fucking wasted the night this night and then like i'm gonna call my masseuse and like they're gonna come over and like put an iv in me and give me a massage right and like and then it becomes like oh like maybe i'll work out like really hard and then i'm like go to my physical therapist right it's like the pendulum still swings but it's not these like violent extremes yes yeah. And I think, I think the overwork one for me is a huge one and yeah. you just start, you can start to notice, right? Like, okay, am I, am I creating these situations? Am I continuing to engage in these situations that require all this extra support <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that maybe I don't have to, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that level of the, the numbing is such a huge piece of it. A whole other conversation we could have. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, uh, so as we wrap, so, you know, walking, if you had, if you had to TLDR, the walking away from a good buddy, if you want to think about it, I, I can come up with, with my TLDR. If it's making you miserable, it isn't good money. Yeah. Ooh. TikTok right there. You're welcome. I'm not even, even going to answer. <laughs> that is just the mic drop. There's your mic well. drop. There is your mic drop, like a true writer, a true salesperson, a true connoisseur of the human soul. Now Uh, I just have this image of myself going around with your daughter taste testing human souls, right? (laughs) Hey, we'll be in New York in December, so. Can't wait. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Again, one of the joys of this container is like, you know, you can listen to someone's podcast, be like, this person sounds like we'd be friends and you have your container. Come, <laughs> let's be friends on my podcast and and we'll hang out when I'm in New York next or, or, when, or when you're next in LA. So tell our listeners where, where they can find you. We'll put everything in the show notes as well. Yeah, I am Sarah M. Chapel all over the internet, more places than you would want to find me. Um, but sarahmchapel.com is where you can find my writing, which is where I write a newsletter called Think Peace. That is a joke and also not a joke. And that's probably the best thing to, to check out if you're interested. Um, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'll be back soon.